Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. It is the fourth and last Sunday of Advent. We've been in this season of sort of induced waiting for God's salvation to be embodied among us. And we have used this as a season of preparation, a time to ready our own hearts for habitation by the spirit of the living Christ, which calls for consideration of this question. How does one prepare? for Jesus' arrival. So tonight we're reading from Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus himself actually has something to say about that, about how we can tell when somebody's ready to receive him and when they're not. From among his many disciples, just a little earlier in chapter 10, Jesus has appointed 12 men who will travel ahead of him with a specific mission. Their job is to scout out the towns and villages where he could go with his reign of God ministry so they can help him plan a route for where he should go and should not. Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, so give without payment. Take no gold, no silver, no copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy. Stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. He was just one person, see? And even though that narrow north to south strip of land between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River was not terribly large, geographically speaking, it was impossible to imagine that any one person could get around to everyone who lived in it, even if that one person was, well, you know, the savior of the world. He was always going to need some help. It's one of the many good gifts that Jesus gave us, this example of unashamedly recognizing his limitations and asking for assistance, delegating responsibilities that some might have said were his to bear alone. To do it, notice, he had to literally give away power 
investing his apostles with that magical reign of God stuff that could turn people's lives upside down. Apparently, he took no particular pride in being the only one who could cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. No, to do as much good as he was meant to do in this world, he was going to have to entrust that unsurpassably important work to others. People he already knew were eager, but... uh, not always excellent. Okay, listen, y'all, we're just two minutes in, and that might already be the gospel for you tonight, that Jesus asked for help, amen, and let go of control in order to accomplish all the good that God had for him to do. Yeah, Jesus did that. It's yours if you want it. So before he waved goodbye to his 12 emissaries, he sat them down for some instructions. They should go, he said, in a posture of vulnerability, meaning without any provision for their own physical well-being, no money to start with, and no bag for collecting tips along the way should any newly healed person want to even things up by compensating their healer. It is a deep misunderstanding thinking we can bargain with God or promise to pay God back as if to earn what God is so ready to give away for free. No change of clothes, meaning they were going to be pretty ripe by the time they got to their first destination and overripe unto rotten by the third or fourth stop, yeah? No shoes, no shoes. So the feet of these walking dudes were going to be filthy, bruised, in need of pedicures in the worst way. No staff literally meant no weapon, no way to fend off a pack of dogs or a desperate thief who might not realize you had nothing to steal until after they had knocked you down. Come to think of it, it's like Jesus was asking those 12 to recapitulate his own incarnational experience, the divine divestiture of power and strength, the voluntary vulnerability of God with us, beginning a long journey as a human infant in need of care in extremis, no way to protect God's self from harm, no means for earning or buying or bribing God's self out of trouble. Newborn humans are needy AF. And Jesus said to his ambassadors before they left, go on, boys, just like babies, you'll be fine. And they would be fine, right? I mean, the same way newborn humans are fine. As long as there's someone who feels responsible for their well-being, someone who's ready to give up some or a lot, or on some nights all, of their own comfort and stability in order to offer care. Someone who completely understands they will not be receiving anything in return, not for a long damn time anyway, maybe never. The vulnerability of the baby calls for a kind of reciprocal vulnerability from the baby's caregiver. A willingness to risk a great expenditure of energy and resources, an openness of heart and hand and home with no guarantee that kid is going to love you back or take care of you when you need your diaper change someday. 
Jesus said that his helpless heralds would be fine as long as their vulnerability was matched by an equal and opposite vulnerability in the people they encountered along the way. In some places, they would find folks ready to take a chance on a stranger, well-practiced at the ancient Near East tradition of opening one's home to travelers whose intentions you could not know. An extra plate of food at the dinner table, a warm pallet rolled out for sleeping near the cook stove, a basin of clean water for soaking those grimy feet, all offered with no guarantee of one's own personal safety. This would be the norm in some places, in some homes, Jesus said, but not in every home, of course. Some people would be more cautious. They'd keep their doors latched and the lanterns low to avoid attracting uninvited guests. Some people would have been burned before letting strangers have access to their stuff, their family. They would know better than to take a chance on a penniless, shoeless traveler. They'd have good reason to protect themselves and their beloveds. They would have healthy boundaries and thus evade the risk of welcome. So Jesus says to his apostles before he sends them on their way, just look for the open doors. Ask for the help you need. If they offer you dinner and a place to stay the night, say yes. Those are the people. Those are the places that are ready to receive what we've got to give. The doors of their hearts are open wide for the good news of God getting everything God wants. On the other hand, he said, don't worry too much about the ones who won't let you in. They come from a very long line of careful, conserving, close-fisted folks. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah, how they tried to run those strangers out of town? How scared and stingy they were, trying to spread the word that travelers should take a wide detour around their prosperity? Whatever you do, don't stop in Sodom, people were saying back then. Those boys will fuck you up. Jesus sighed. It has always been a grief in God's heart, he said, how some people operate out of fear all the time. Fear that what they have will be taken away as if their lives are not held in God's heart every minute of every day. Someday they'll know. Someday they'll see. And their hard hearts will melt like wax in a Christmas candle. Just not yet. They're not ready yet. And that's a shame. And indeed, it would be a shame for the power of God's reign to pass by so close to your own home, so near to your own need. And because you were afraid to take a chance, so protective of the life you held dear, you miss it altogether. You can't stay there, Jesus told his apostles. Don't even try. They won't be able to hear what we're saying. We won't be able to give them what they think they need most. Move on to the next place and see if you can find some courageous, vulnerable friends who are ready. It used to trouble me no end that Jesus could name a kind of prerequisite for his saving work. 
that if you weren't already predisposed to open your heart to a stranger, you wouldn't even get a chance to hear the gospel. It seemed unfair that people could miss their shot without even knowing what the stakes were, especially, especially when I imagined that the stakes were ultimate, like eternally significant. But if we can release Jesus and the apostles and all those first century Palestinian Jews from our medieval fundagelical ideas about heaven and hell, reward and punishment, if we can just let them have the conversation they're having on their terms, it shifts the time frame of the tragedy from some future doling out of punishment for those who didn't get their life right in time to right here, right now, the real tragedy is nearer than an eternity spent apart from God. The tragedy is for today. It's in the heartbreaking possibility that our experiences in this world could cause us to close off our hearts, to shut and lock our doors so tightly that no one can get in, that in protecting ourselves from hurt, we could inadvertently miss the transforming beauty of meeting someone's vulnerability with our own. Jesus didn't just say, he showed what it means to live with your heart wide open. It means they can hurt you for sure, but it also means you won't risk missing any of the beauty this world is still doing. And if you can stay open to that beauty, even at the risk of sacrificing your comfort and stability, you can sometimes catch a glimpse of God getting everything God wants. Jesus said there's no other way to see it. He should know. Can I tell you some things I've seen around here lately without violating anyone's privacy, I hope. I just think it's imperative that we collect the stories of our own vulnerability, a little Galileo archive of the ways that we're learning to expose our weakness to the world and wait with hope to see what will be returned to us. I know a Galileo couple whose families of origin would not come to their wedding, but that family of origin expects to stay in the couple's home when they come to town for a holiday or a celebration. And it would be perfectly reasonable for our friends to say no, to practice those healthy boundaries. And as their pastor and friend, I would support that. But somehow this couple has made a different choice. And this very weekend, their home is filled with people using their towels, and eating their food. People they still hold out hope might come to love them the way they deserve to be loved. And Jesus said, when you see that, the reign of God is oh so close. I've watched it play out in our Facebook group more times than I can count lately. Someone has a material need and somebody else says, I can help. And yet a third person makes himself available to get it all worked out. Like a family with new to them appliances, given away by one church friend, delivered by another church friend with a truck. And Jesus said, when you see that, 
The reign of God is oh so close. I saw a mom who has never spoken in a public forum about her support for LGBTQ folks, including her own kid, until she was called to the mic at a civic meeting last week. And I saw the adrenaline coursing through her beautiful, strong body while she told the truth about God's deep, unending love in a room full of risk. Jesus said, when you see that, the reign of God is oh so close. In that same meeting, a person who had spoken against LGBTQ library materials for kids came over to our group, stood at the end of a whole row of us who had already spoken about our faith being the basis for our insistence on inclusion. There was a cantor from a local synagogue, a handful of Christians, and a woman whose faith in humanity remains strong even as her faith in God has suffered significant hits. All of us working together, all of us on the same side, thanks be to God. This man from the other side leaned over us, searching for eye contact from anyone in our row. I will tell you, we did not want to give it. We did not want to hear from him again. We already knew what he thought. He got the same three minutes on the mic as everybody else. But he just stood there. He stayed standing in the aisle, making a little bit of a scene in an otherwise quiet part of the meeting. Excuse me, he kept saying. Excuse me, there's something I need to say. We're not like steadfast, he said in a stage whisper. We're not the steadfast group. We don't want anything to do with them. I want you to know that. This is not that. I hope you can hear that. I hope you believe me. Okay, I said, okay. Just enough to make him go away, back to his seat, back to his side. Maybe you know steadfast. A church that has been run out of so many towns in North Texas, a church that preaches homophobic hate, so vile, so violent, that even most of our most conserving neighbors are embarrassed by it. The Southern Poverty Law Center has classified Steadfast Baptist Church as an anti-LGBTQ hate group. They are dangerous, for real. This stranger in the meeting, the one who I already knew has not yet seen the beauty and dignity of every human being made in God's image, which is all of them. That stranger came to us with empty hands to ask for something from us. It wasn't much he was asking for, just for our recognition that his own fear and prejudice do not lead him all the way to violence just for our acknowledgement that he's thought about it from our point of view. And he knows that we're afraid for ourselves or for people we love. He has listened to us saying that small encroachments like the removal of library displays are on a continuum that goes toward the removal of human beings. And he just wants to say that he's not that, that he doesn't want that, and that he wishes we didn't have to feel afraid of that. Now friends, hear me well. 
That guy is wrong to think that banning library materials is not connected to violence against LGBTQ persons. You and I know that it is. And that's why we keep practicing our own vulnerability, going to places that might or might not be open to our declaration that the reign of God is oh so near. But is that guy so wrong to ask that we hear from him, not on a microphone, but in actual conversation? Is he so wrong to traverse the room and ask for our attention so that he can say this word of denial of hateful violence? Maybe you'll say, yes, it was wrong. Maybe you'll say it was a typical power move by a typical cishet white guy insistent that a row full of seated women pay him some attention whether we wanted to or not. And I could hear that from you if that's what you thought. It is definitely the first conclusion I came to. But what if tonight, in here with all of you, what if I made myself vulnerable enough to say, I think there's a risk in shutting the door of my heart to everyone who might hurt me or the people I love. Because I think Jesus might have been saying, take that risk as often as you can stand it. Ready yourself for the reign of God by this habit of leaving yourself open, by normalizing vulnerability, by taking your chances, every chance you get. Because one of these times, one of these times, it's going to be so good you almost can't stand it. One of these times, it'll be the reign of God coming oh so close. And you don't want to miss that, right? Right. And the only way to make sure I don't miss it, if I'm hearing Jesus right, is to meet vulnerability with vulnerability. Whether I'm the shoeless apostle on the road or the one safe at home just taking care of my business. Where vulnerability meets vulnerability, God's reign is oh so close. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace. Peace.